Hello there and welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. My name is Denise Alvarez and just in case we are new friends, I will briefly introduce myself and then we're going to jump into today's topic with a new guest to the podcast and I cannot wait for you to meet her. But first, as I said, my name is Denise, and my business is Storm Lily Marketing, and that is where I get to help dream-chasing horse business owners like yourself to see clearly through the marketing overwhelm and to create a cohesive plan for your social media, your website, and your email marketing that will help you to turn your online audience into your customers. I do that through Take the Reins, my one-to-one coaching program, as well as website design and website copywriting. And I do each of those things as well as this podcast because my heart's desire is truly to help you, the equestrian entrepreneur, to be out doing the things that you love to do, right? Out in the barn, out the arena, or for some of you, I know it is behind the camera and taking pictures of horses, right? Whatever it is that you do in the equestrian niche, I want to help you you do more of that. And so here on the podcast, you will get a mix of step-by-step strategies, basic how-tos, and entrepreneurial mindset shifts that will help you to not only see what's possible for your business, but I will help guide you through that process so you can make it happen. And so today we are talking about what that looks like in the framework of being an educator. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, Denise, this doesn't apply to me, but just wait, because I promise no matter where you are in the industry, this does apply to you. Now, if you've been thinking, I want to have an online membership, which I know many horse businesses are doing nowadays, then sure, you might be seeing yourself as an educator. But otherwise, many of you might be saying, not me. But the reality is, all horse business owners should own the title of educator. And in this episode, my guest, an award-winning equestrian photographer and veteran workshop photography host, well, let me say that backwards, photography workshop and retreat host, Phyllis Burchette is going to help you to see not only why you're an educator, but especially how you can do it effectively so that your students thrive and you really enjoy sharing what it is that you know. Now, before we dive into that, and before I even introduce Phyllis, I first want to talk for a moment about why you are an educator and why it even matters. Why should all horse business owners be effective educators? I have two reasons for you, okay? Number one, I would bet that it's actually ingrained in your business to be an educator. You just maybe haven't owned that title yet. Now, of course, if you're a riding instructor, then you're saying that's obvious. Yes, you are instructing people. You are an educator. You are teaching people something, right? If you're a horse trainer, yes, you are helping and teaching horses. But on top of that, I guarantee that you are educating owners in the process. Photographers, you're educating your clients as you are working with them. And before you even to begin working with them, you're educating them on the process and what it's like. If you're a tack or a saddle maker, you're also educating your clients, especially if you're building custom pieces, right? You are teaching them about the different parts and how it applies to them and their writing. And that is all education. 
So many of you are doing that. You just didn't realize that that's actually a part of your title. You are an educator. Now, secondly, for many of you, it may be income potential. As I mentioned, online memberships are growing all the time. YouTube videos, your presence on YouTube, you are most likely educating people. Are you hosting in-person events or clinics or retreats? Guess what? You are an educator. So there are two reasons right there for you that all horse business owners should be an effective educator, right? Just because you're an educator, that doesn't mean you're effective. It doesn't mean you're teaching well. It doesn't mean people are walking away really understanding the concepts that you were trying to teach, right? Those are the things that make you effective. Now, can you learn how to do that? Absolutely. Notice I didn't say an effective communicator, or I didn't say a dynamic educator or a dynamic communicator, right? I know that for some of you, you are more at ease in front of people than others. Maybe you seem to present yourself well, or you communicate in a certain way. When people look at you, they're like, oh, she would be great at that, right? He would be great at that. But for others, you're thinking, Denise, I'm not really great in front of people. I don't feel like I really communicate well when that happens. Well, the beauty of this is we can all learn how to effectively educate well. It is not a secret skill that no one can learn. And so that's why I know you're going to love this episode because it's not just about how you communicate and how you talk in a group of people. This episode is really about how you can teach well how you can educate well so that people walk away impacted, so that people walk away empowered and equipped and really having a deeper understanding of the things it is that you are sharing and teaching, all right? So that's why this is for you and that's why this is so very important. Now, on to introducing the guest that's gonna share these things with you. Now, I can tell you, I have been so blessed to work with some really amazing equestrian photographers over these last few years, and they've become friends. If you have listened to the podcast for long, you may remember meeting Shelly Paulson. She has been on here twice, and I have gotten to help with her marketing, as well as Kara Taylor Swift of Fast Horse Photography. She has been on the podcast, and I've gotten to work with her in her marketing. It's been such a blessing. And so today I have another friend I want you to meet. She is another powerhouse in the world of equestrian photography, and you are going to love hearing from her. Her name is Phyllis Burchette, and we first connected on Instagram a few years ago. And since then, I have gotten a front row seat to see her really reap the rewards of being committed to email marketing and a weekly email. And as of this episode going live, we are just about to turn the switch on for her newly redesigned website. It's rewritten. I'm so excited to get this into the world. Now, if you've not yet met Phyllis, you may not understand why I transitioned from talking about educating to an equestrian photographer. But here's the thing. Phyllis is an educator. She has been teaching and hosting photography workshops and retreats for years, and she has a lot of wisdom to share about how you can be an effective educator 
as well. All right. So get your notepads handy. Of course, you can head to the show notes at stormlily.com slash 112-112. I will have the highlights of our conversation there. I'll also have the links to the episodes with Shelly and Kara in case you'd like to meet them as well. But for now, get ready because you are about to learn some more practical marketing and educator guidance from Phyllis Burchette. Phyllis, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. I can't believe it's taken me this long, first of all. So I'm super glad that you're joining me here today. Hi, Denise. Good morning to you too. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to get to chat with you for a bit. I am too. I'm super excited about our topic. But before we get into that, I gave an extremely brief introduction to you um, because I like to have my guests be able to share a little bit about themselves on their own. So I know your journey has been quite a journey. It's a very interesting journey to me. I think my audience will appreciate learning more about your background. So if you would share a bit about how you became an equine and wildlife photographer who now is training and mentoring up and coming photographers. Okay. Well, I hope it's not too extensive because it is pretty, <laughs> it is it's pretty a journey. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, well, before photography, I was part owner and manager of Burchette Equine Center for over 30 years with my ex-husband. Um, as a professional horse trainer, our open horses and youth and amateur clients won numerous world and national titles, along with uh, numerous year-end high point awards. Uh, both my ex-husband and I taught our youth and amateurs. So I've been teaching and instructing, instructing others for, uh, well, most of my life in some way. <laughs> we started standing some stallions for a couple of clients and very quickly realized that this could be a much more profitable aspect of the horse business. So we started a large scale breeding farm where I was the breeding manager standing up to 14 outside stallions each year managing the collection and breeding operation of on-site cooled and frozen semen, along with our, our vet, of course, on the frozen semen. I couldn't do that without the supervision of a vet. <laughs> uh, and and overseeing around 50 mares foaling each year. For a while, uh, well, after a while, sorry, um, between the pressure to win in the show pen and the stress of foaling season, I was getting pretty burned out. So around 2001, uh, uh, my sister and I went to uh, Canada on an REI camping trip, and our guide had a what I would call a real camera because I had just a little point and shoot, and but he had a real back then it was film still um, uh, digital I think was just kind of on the cusp of of coming out, uh, but it was really interesting to me to watch him compose his images and and just watching all the cool stuff he was able to to do. And uh, we saw so much beautiful wildlife and the scenery was just stunning on that trip that I really wasn't able to capture that well with my little point and shoot camera. And, but he could, because he had more reach with his uh, longer lenses. So I came home and soon after that, I bought my first Nikon camera. And uh, then in 2003, I went to my very first photography workshop. I paid to go. I mean, you know, obviously I was just a hobbyist starting out, a beginner. So during those first few years, I went to several uh, workshops and tours during, uh, to further my craft um, because I really got, I really got 
pretty addicted to photography. Um, <laughs> I guess you could say I have an addictive personality. I don't know. But anyway, all um, in or all out. Huh? <laughs> right. So um, at first, my focus was on nature and wildlife. Um, because, but soon after that, I came full circle back to horses. I had um, friends that thought it was a perfect fit, of course, for me to do confirmation, sale, stallion, advertising, or even show or event photography with my knowledge of horses. But I enjoyed photography so much that I really didn't want to do it for a living in the beginning. It was just for fun. Uh, I At first, I went to Canada to, polar, uh, to photograph polar bears in 2006. I've, and since, I've photographed polar bears two more times in Alaska. I've been to photograph uh, coastal brown bears three times and black bears in Minnesota and Tennessee. So I, I think my second favorite thing to shoot... Uh, photograph is bears. <laughs> um, I started, uh, let's see, I guess in 2011, I started doing um, uh, photography workshops at a friend's boarding farm in Georgia. Um, and then not too long after that, there was a Icelandic horse farm that moved in close to our breeding farm. And um, they needed someone to do stallion collection for them because they were doing some frozen and cooled semen. And I kind of got curious about these sturdy little, cool little horses and signed up for a landscape photography tour to Iceland in 2013. Uh, the very next year in 2014, I did my first Iceland equine photo tour, and I've been hosting tours to Iceland every year since, except for 2020, of course, during COVID. Um, I also started trail riding <laughs> um, years ago with a with actually the gal that that I did the workshops at her boarding farm. Um, she showed quarter horses, but she also was an extensive trail rider in the AQHA trail riding program. So we did, um, I even bought like a three horse living quarters and everything and did a, a bunch of trail riding with her. And I went to Wyoming and Montana and did several pack trips and visited some ranches. And from that point, I really gained a huge, it was a whole different world for me coming from the horse show world and seeing horses on these ranches, to me, like horses were supposed to live, <laughs> mm. you know, and just, I don't know, it was just so different. And I gained a huge appreciation for the Western lifestyle uh, through that. And so um, now most of the events that I co-host with my colleagues are, ra are ranch-based, except for our St. Augustine um, Horses on the Beach workshop. I've been uh, super fortunate to be picked up by a couple of big publishers of home decor. So now I, I, I license my art for resale as well. Uh, actually, my best-selling art image is a brown bear. And now, within the past year or so, I've become part of a trio of a, two other, well, my two other colleagues, Kim Beer, that I was doing some Western uh, photo workshops with, and then Kara Taylor-Swift. In Florida, we do our Horses on the Beach workshop. And... Um, uh, we have formed a trio called Cowgirls of Cameras, promote the Western way of life through photography. So, okay. I love that. And your journey is so uh, nuanced. And I, I think that's really cool because it gives you, you a different understanding of where the people that you're teaching are coming from, which we'll talk about. So now you host a number of workshops and retreats every year, even though you said it's been 20 years since you sat in that seat for the very first time. And now you're actually the only equine specific photography tour hosted in Iceland, which I think is so cool. So of course, when we talked about you being here on the podcast, it was natural 
uh, fit to have a conversation about that education piece, about what it takes to really be an educator, because it's something that my audience of horse business owners, I think are really going to identify with. Even the ones that aren't photographers can identify with that idea of being an educator and having to teach people. Oh, absolutely. I think it I think it doesn't matter what genre you you are teaching, whether you're and and like I said, I used to to teach uh, you know, students for, you know, riding horses and and showing and everything. So when we taught everything from showmanship to you know, to halter to under saddle, over fences, uh everything. So um I but it's all it's all the basics. All teaching is all basics and I think that um having really good communication and listening to your the needs of your students i think personally is like the number one thing that i would give somebody advice to is to listen to what what they want or what they need um understanding their skill level is is super important so that you can adapt to their goals and be constructive to encourage and not discourage i know sometimes that's hard especially in photography when you're critiquing people's work but but uh, you have to know at what point they are in their journey to know how much you can or cannot say <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And adapt in that in that vein, adaptability. <laughs> By that I mean being did I say that right? <laughs> adaptability. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> By that I mean being able to go, you know, kind of go with the flow and uh, you know, be able to to know that sometimes things aren't going to go the way you had planned. (laughs) Okay. Those are such good points. And this is exactly why I wanted to bring you on the podcast, because I know you have so many really good insights for my audience, because as you said, in the horse industry and as a business owner, period, you are going to be educating people over time. I know many of my audience is looking into providing online trainings for their own audience. Digital memberships, of course, are becoming a really big deal in the horse industry. Or you may be doing in-person clinics. All of these things have to do with being an educator and really communicating well what you're trying to teach and know your people, the things that you just started to tell us. So I would love, Phyllis, if you would share specifically, what are some of those key qualities and components that everyone should have if they want to be an effective educator? Well, I think um, knowing your topic really well is essential. <laughs> uh, setting yourself up as an expert in your field or, or, you know, through different ways like blog posts and newsletters and um, even YouTube videos is, is very helpful. And having that real world experience that you've, you've come through that same thing that they're, that they're about to go through helpful. So uh, tell me this, I know you said you went to Iceland one year and the next year you hosted a tour. Did you have any trepidation about that? Or were you like, nope, I'm oh. ready. Cause I know. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I know for people listening, they're saying, okay, I feel like I know my stuff, but I'm like, ah, that, that imposter syndrome sets in, right. You of, know, your of stuff. course. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about that. How do you, how did you work through that? Well, well, thankfully, I didn't have a, a huge group. The year before, when I paid to go on the landscape photography tour, I think he there was two leaders, and they had like fifteen clients, which was almost too many. But um, for for me, when I went to the horse farm, because we basically were based out of the horse farm, so we weren't traveling each day. We were we were staying at the horse farm and doing our photography, and they were doing setups for us with horses in front of the waterfalls and on the beach and. Um, just all different things like that. 
that I paid them to do the setups and they, the girls, their wranglers would go out and do, do the setups for us. But um, I had a smaller group. So my first time doing that was very helpful, I think, to not jump in with, you know, 10, 12 people. But even to this day, I don't take any more than six people on that trip because I, I do the driving. And so it's, I rent a van and I don't want any more than six people. I like to have a little bit smaller group. And I, I think that's, that's helpful too, is not overloading yourself, like being able to have that good instructor to uh, participant or to student ratio um, so that they don't feel left out. And and a, a lot of times, especially for me, it's hard. Most of our events will have a mix of skill levels. So you may have somebody from a beginner hobbyist all the way to an advanced pro. And sometimes we, we try to make sure that nobody gets left out, that we have something for that advanced person as well as we stop and take time to help those that are just starting. So I think that's helpful too. I, I know a lot of people, um, I don't know, you know, if they're teaching writing lessons or whatever they're doing, just knowing that skill level and, and along with your topic, knowing your client is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So knowing your topic, well, I, that is the first, uh, and it seems obvious, but it's not so much because especially nowadays when it's so easy to just jump online and create an online course mm-hmm. or, you know, create a YouTube video, it's, that's not always the case. So I think yeah. it could be an obvious, but I think you're right. It's definitely a key quality that everyone needs to remember. So knowing your topic well, and then what are some of the other components that you think uh, would help make somebody an effective educator? Oh, wow. Being passionate about what you do, uh, no matter what it is you do, whether it's training horses and sharing that or our photography, no matter what it is, just having that um, passion, which I do. I absolutely love what I do. I love horses. I love I love to travel. I love the landscape. I love I, it's just uh, and I think I think on top of being passionate about what you do is having a love of learning because uh, even I. Um, no matter how long I've been doing this, there's always something else I can learn. And I always come away from my events and learn something from my my students, uh, the attendees, because, and it doesn't matter whether, even if they're just starting out, sometimes they look at things differently than I do, which I think is really cool because I think, I don't want to say we get a little jaded, but <laughs> the longer you're in, the longer you do something, I think you do kind of maybe forget what brought you to it in the first place. And it was that passion is what brought you to it in the first place. And that's what's so cool is to see how excited and and enthusiastic people are when they come to our events. And that carries up that carries over to me as well. So but yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. that makes perfect sense to be passionate. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you pulled in that idea of how that ongoing learning is going to help keep that passion alive. Um, I talk all the time on the podcast about remembering your why. And certainly that passion is definitely a part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's amazing to me, even because I used to be a horse trainer, but there's so many new methods. And um, I, I, I look back and I think, gosh, I wonder how things might have been different for me if I had known some of the new things that are out nowadays and the way you know, it's, it's, it is different. And it's the same thing with photography. Like I look I, every once in a while, I'll go back and look at an image that I took 10 years ago that I, I think I I would trash now, 
But back then I thought how amazing it was, you know, <laughs> Oh my goodness. or, or an image that maybe I didn't see how I could do anything with that. I could now with my skills, my editing, my post-production skills, I know how to make something out of that now. So I think, I think it's very important to, to, to do your learn and, and to look back at how far you've come too. I think that's really important. Um, and I don't care whether that's the instructor or the, or who it is. I think we all need to look back at how far we've come and and what we're doing. Those are good words of advice. Yeah, period. Yeah, for all business owners, just period. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. remember where you're at and where you came from. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, what else do you have for us? I know you talked about knowing your topic well, being passionate about what you do. What are some of those other key components that you think make an effective educator? Well, I think... um, uh, willing to be a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> because yeah, which is because, one we don't want to hear, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm a bit. I guess they. I, I guess I have a little bit of introvert and extrovert, but I'm leaning more towards the introvert. So it's hard for me to get in front of people, um, especially with I when I have two other colleagues that sometimes I feel like are better at being at the front of things and. Uh, because uh, one of them is such a great speaker and she does a lot of speaking events. And uh, so sometimes I feel a little, you know, not quite as up to par as they are, but um, I, I, I am asked to do a lot of speaking at uh, camera clubs here in Georgia and I've done some in South Carolina and, and one in Florida too. And uh, of course, with Zoom, when Zoom came about during COVID, I was like, "Oh, this is so easy. I like this." <laughs> and of course, and of course, now they're back to wanting everything in person, which is a little hard. But, um, but I think just stepping outside of your comfort zone and doing things that you like. If pe- when people do ask you to do a speaking engagement, do it. <laughs> step out of step out of your comfort zone and um and go for it. I think is is a big one. Yeah, that's, I think that many people listening will be able to identify with that idea. And even though what's funny is you're cool with Zoom, but even a lot of people that I talk to, when I talk about with your marketing, go live on Facebook, go, you know, do these videos, then instantly people kind of like shrink up like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, like I don't want to turn the camera around on myself. Um, But yeah, if you want to show people your expertise and becoming an online educator or an in-person educator is something you want to do in your business, you're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then over time, for most people, and at least if it doesn't get easier, you become more equipped to deal with the uncomfortable. You know, and- like you figure out what works for you and what kind of things you need to do to prepare yourself, what's going to make it easier, whether it's the tech freaks you out. So you test it, you know, multiple times mm-hmm. leading up to the event or, you know, like <laughs> figuring out what works for you. It may not go away but you can at least learn how to adapt. I think something that really helped me one time too is um, I the person, the management person that was asking me if I would do a speaking engagement. It was at a very large club. They had almost 100 people there, which was the biggest one I'd ever done. And he said, he said, you know what's going to make it this easy for you is when they see how passionate you are about what you do, then and, and that passion will come through. And I think for everybody that's a, that's wanting to get out, you know, like I said, to get out of the box and do something different, your passion is going to show for what you do. And that's what the people are going to see. They're not going to see your nerves. They're going to see how excited you are about what you're about your topic, you know, about what you're teaching. I think that's something to keep in mind too. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's absolutely true. 
Okay. I know you have a couple more for us and you have been filled with so many good nuggets up until now, but what else (laughs) do you have um, that our audience can keep in mind when they are wanting to do more educating, more teaching, more getting out there um, and really putting themselves out there as an educator? Well, I think, um, you know, people tell you to stay in your lane, but uh, I don't know, or stay, you know, know your sweet spot or whatever, which I think is really important. You know, you do need to be very knowledgeable about what you're teaching. Um, but sometimes you can fake it just a little bit for some things and and try to try to fudge. So I think that, but that's helpful is to really know where you shine and 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 push those strong points. Really push your strong points. So in my case, my my fine art is my strong point. And my um I wouldn't say that I'm by any means a, a pro at Photoshop, but for some reason, I'm really good at taking what I shoot and being able to make it look even better with Photoshop or with with post processing. So, because um, sometimes, you know, as a photographer, uh, people will look at your work and they'll go, "I could never photograph anything like that." And then when they see my before and after, they go, "Well, my before doesn't look that much different than hers." Oh my goodness! <laughs> and yeah. sometimes it's what I do after. So it's the same thing when you're training horses. I mean, it's 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 your skill set, knowing knowing how far you can go with that horse, you know. And um, and and if you don't. If you if there if you're having a problem, I think is is knowing when to get help too. So, um, with whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you said knowing your sweet spot, I'm thinking of how you guys have cowgirls with cameras, and there's three of you. You're all professional photographers, but I'm sure you each have different areas of expertise that you bring to the table, which is what is allowing that to work so well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 does. And like I said, Kim is the one that loves to talk and loves to be out front. And, um, but she does a lot of speaking engagements. She's very educated and has, um, uh, she's, as a matter of fact, she just went through PPA, uh, the professional photographer association, got her certification. And she's always like, this is what I love about Kim. And she's always furthering her craft. I think right now she's learning how to be a hypnotist, but oh she's goodness. always, she's always learning and te- learning something and adding something new to her repertoire, which I think is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and then Kara is like, she has such a, a fantastic uh, portrait business in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. And that's all she does is, is portrait work at mostly with uh, people and their horses and showing that bond and that communication that they have with each other. And um, her business is fantastic, and uh, she brings a really good skill set to the to the group and in her uh, posing abilities and telling people how to run their businesses or, you know, giving them advice on how to run the businesses. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Sorry, not telling them, but you know, <laughs> uh, we know we can't tell people how to run business. We can only uh, tell them how we run our business. Yeah, what's but, working for me and, this might but, work for you. But yeah, we all, we uh, Kim is more commercial. Kara is more uh, like commercial photography for Kim. Kim, Kara is more portrait photography and I'm more like the fine art. But I love, but I love doing the portrait work. I mean, if you had told me uh, 10, 15 years ago that I would love doing portrait work, I'd have said, no way. I just want to shoot, you know, photograph animals. But but I think when um, when I started shooting, uh, doing portrait work, because it was a way back then to make money, <laughs> uh, when I first started doing this, it was it was more the thing. Um, 
it was very helpful to me because when I started learning more about posing and photographing people with their horses, then I got it, it actually made my animal photography better because I learned more about light and posing, which that sounds funny that you're posing a person, but, but it really helps it. It's everything put together that makes an image better. And I think that's, it, it doesn't matter what you're teaching. It's, I think that that's helpful to know that um, you may not want to learn how to do one thing. I mean, you may, and it may not be your ultimate goal. Uh, like for me, maybe um, even, product photography wasn't my ultimate goal, but learning how to do it helped me with the lighting and that kind of thing. So I think things that our baby photography, like and weddings, I did weddings for a little bit and not, I did them long enough to know that I don't want to do weddings. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think, you know, sometimes we do things to know, to find out what we don't want to do, you know, and, but just because we found out we didn't want to do it doesn't mean we didn't learn something from it. So, and I think that's, that's helpful too, is, is keep an open mind and remember that there's always something to be learned from something and someone and everyone. Yeah, you bet. Well, and I'm thinking about how you started talking about knowing your sweet spot and then talking about these other things and how it also gives people the freedom. Like, Hey, you might think you're an expert in this one area, but you have a lot of people asking you about these other things that you're good at or that you know about, or that you could take time to learn about, and then you can share that knowledge with them as well. So it kind of goes hand in hand, knowing your sweet spot and then being willing to learn more and share more and kind of go outside of that as the demand is there, which I think may lead you to actually, I may have set you up for your last point about, um, about being a great educator, which would be go right ahead, Phyllis. Um, well, listening to what your, what your client wants, listening to what your audience wants, what their needs are, um, what, what questions do they have about what you're doing? And, um, gosh, it doesn't matter what, what genre, it doesn't matter if you're teaching horse training or horseback riding or, or photography or dog training, it doesn't matter. You, you've got to listen to what you've got to listen to what that, uh, client is telling you, um, that they want and they need out of out of your session or your, you know, your whatever, how long, you know, a zoom call or whatever it is. Cause I know for me, like mentorship, sometimes we're just on a zoom call, but um, yeah, just listen. I think that's the biggest thing. Number one, listen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Save the best for last. Number one, if you want to be a good educator, because that's the thing, like whether you're doing it online or in person, we've all been to those events or those clinics where you go in ready to learn. Right. And somebody has a completely different agenda and they're not even really listening to their audience. And the people are asking questions about one thing and they're like, yeah, but I came here to talk about this one thing, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and not being so, open to really listening to what people are there to learn from you. Right. And, and being, as we said before already is being passionate and being really enthusiastic about what you're teaching will relate to your students. It will, um, and, and it'll come back to you and make you even more passionate and, uh, being very approachable so that they understand. I think, I know back when, um, I first started as a beginner photographer, sometimes when I was in a group, I was afraid to ask questions because, because I thought, well, there's people here that know way more than me, you know, and it'll sound stupid if I ask these questions. And I think being approachable is really a big one too, is, um, is so that, so that your client or your student understands that there are no stupid questions because what you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. even know what you don't know. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. So um, I think, I think just 
I think being approachable is a big one too, um, because I, I know I've been in groups where I felt like the leader wasn't somebody that I could just step up and ask a question. And and that made me go home wondering something that I should have been able to find out there at the event. Um, and I don't want my people to go away feeling that way. I want them to always know that they can come to me for whatever they, whatever question they have. Um, and, and it's funny because I know when I was in that group, when I finally had the courage to ask a question, then you find out that, well, the others, the other people in the group had the same question and they Uh were afraid to ask too. So, so I think, um, so it's good, you know, sometimes it's good to step out and, and, and step out of your own comfort zone, even if you're a student and, and ask a question. But I think more importantly, as a instructor is to be approachable so that they feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Well, and one thing I'll pull out that you, that you've alluded to is sit in the seat of your student for a little bit, like as you're planning, whether you're planning an online training session, an in-person training session, just one-on-one writing lessons sometimes, right? right? Like it's so important to think about the mindset of your student. What are they coming in? What are their feelings? What are their expectations? What are their hopes? You know, what do they hope to get out of this? All of those things, right? If you're going to be a great educator, then you've got to be thinking about the people you're serving from the get-go. You've got to have empathy. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, if it was back then or even now with photography, I've been there. I mean, I've, I've been to workshops, I've been to tour, I, you know, so I've sat on the other side of this and, um, I think that's important is, is to have that. You're right. It, you're very right. Is to have that empathy and, and to, to sit yourself in their, in their place and know how it feels and to think about what they're feeling, you know. Absolutely. Okay. Phyllis, you've covered so much ground. I appreciate this so much because you are doing this all year round. It's not like you're doing a one-off training every now and then I invited you to share because I know that not only is this something you're passionate about, it's something you do on the regular. So you have a lot of expertise to share. And so I also know because I'm getting to work on your website and I see that your students love to work with you and love to come to your events and love to learn from you. And so you're doing an excellent job. So is there anything else before we leave that is before we leave? Is there anything we've left on the table? I should say, right. <laughs> we've talked about a lot of things. Is there anything we have not picked up that you wanted to make sure that you talk about before we leave? Uh, maybe when you talk about doing this year round, you're correct. I started, I started in January because we, uh, we host Kim and I host the photography clinic for art of the cowgirl in Queen Creek, Arizona every year. And we do other events for art of the cowgirl as well. So, but yeah, it, it runs all the way from January till uh, most of the time till November, uh, sometimes into December. I'm either on the road or, or when I'm home, which I'm rarely home, uh, I, I have office work, lots of office work to do. So, yep. But I, I love what I do and I hope that shows, I'm glad to hear that that shows with my clients. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell everybody, Phyllis, where they can find you online. Tell them your website, all the things. I'll, of course, have links to all of this on the show notes for the episode. But for people that are listening and just want to pull out their phone, where can they connect with you? Uh, well, first off, I on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Phyllis Burchette Photo, and that's all word. It's all one word. Don't, no spaces in between. Phyllis Burchette Photo. Uh, that's B-U-R-C-H-E-T-T, no E on the end. Uh, my website is net, and I have a weekly newsletter that 
Denise helps me with <laughs> uh, that I'd love to have people sign up for where I share photography tips and they'll be among the first to hear about our upcoming events. I'm also on LinkedIn at the same uh, uh, the same handle, uh, Phyllis Burchette Photo. And of course, as I talked about before, my colleagues, uh, Kim and Kara and I have uh, Cowgirls with Cameras. So you can catch us up there with cowgirlswithcameras.com. We also have a podcast uh, with the three of us, which we'd love to have you join in to to uh, to hear us three talk. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys share lots of good nuggets. So I'll make sure yes. I, I link to all of those things too on the on the show notes. Phyllis, I so appreciate you taking time to share. As you said, I know your schedule is crazy busy. You're traveling all the time. And I know that when people are going and checking out your work, they're going to be amazed because it's it's just stunning. You know what you're doing in terms of teaching because you know what you're doing in terms of creating art. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Denise, for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, friends, I hope you are walking away with some great notes about how you can become a more effective educator in whatever area of the equine industry you are serving. Now, something I want you to remember that I hinted at in the beginning of this episode is that you can be an eloquent speaker. You can have a great stage presence, but if your students do not walk away with more knowledge and a way for them to apply that knowledge so that they can meet their goals, then you're not effectively doing your job as an educator. Absolutely, communication skills matter. Communicating clearly matters. But remember what Phyllis shared about being approachable and having empathy. Your students are going to also remember the way that you made them feel. So I want you to focus on their experience and making sure that they walk away feeling like they have learned something valuable, that they were cared for, and that you really care about the end result that they are working towards, whatever that is, right? Now, this applies to you whether you are hosting a clinic or you're providing one-on-one instruction to someone, all right? Think about the way that you are making them feel and thinking about what they're walking away with and keep that top of mind. All right. Okay. I definitely want you to head to the show notes for the highlights of this episode. And so that you can meet Phyllis online, connect with her on Instagram, Facebook, check out her new website. It, like I said, as of the time of this publishing, we're getting ready to push that button. I don't have the exact day yet. Okay. So just check it out. You will know, you will know if you're landing on the new website or the old website, and I cannot wait to get out into the world. So again, all of that is at stormlily.com slash 112 for episode number 112. All right. And as always, if you have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out. I would love to connect with you online as well. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Storm Lily Marketing or shoot me an email anytime. Denise at stormlily.com. All right, friends, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you here again next time. 